Well, good morning. We've had uh, an awesome morning so far, and God is doing cool stuff in our midst. Um, we had an amazing worship night, and he was healing some people, and um, just this time of entering into his presence was so powerful. And I want to just challenge you not to miss those moments if you're able to be here, because I- I'm telling you, people encounter God, and it's life-changing when that happens. We, we got reports of healings. And um, just so exciting to see God move. My wife shared a word of knowledge about a hip. Literally before uh, she shared that, God, God shared the same with me. Um, so if you're having hip issues, I would, I would encourage you. This is like two times the, the anointing on that. You know what I mean? Believe God for it. Believe God for it. But uh, he was healing uh, ears. We, heard, we got reports of ears popping open on Friday night and ankles and and uh, we prayed people pr- prayed for people with back issues and things like that and God is moving. I also um, someone shared with me a word of knowledge about a hernia. So if you have a hernia, um, just place your hand on there and just say, I, I receive God what you have for me today. Amen. And we would love to get a report if God did something today here in our midst. We pray before the services every week. And believe God for great things. We ask God to move in whatever way he wants. And um, he's doing that. Every week there's healings. Every week there's breakthroughs. Every week someone has a testimony of what God did. And so we've been in, um, we don't have a name for our series, but we've been in a series of messages that has really been helping us focus on the love of the Father and what he did for us and sonship. um, and it's amazing. By the way, Mary Schnur's message last week was phenomenal, right? Wasn't that good? Good job, Mary. Way to go. Um, I heard the story uh, somewhat recently about Prince Harry. He, he's always in the news, this guy, Prince Harry. You know, um, because, you know, it's... Royalty, when you're royalty, everything you do, every move you make, every decision you make is got, uh, is, gets publicity. So recently, him and his wife, Meghan Markle, uh, had a child. I think they named him Oliver uh, or something like that. Oscar, Oscar. Archie, yeah, that's right. Archie, you know what I'm talking about. Technicalities, you know. I always get caught on technicalities. But um, and and now the media is is so big on this guy and and his position as a father and as a husband and and the example he's leaving for his nation. Um, but it wasn't always like that. In fact, this guy was labeled a wild child when he was in the military. There were there were photos of him getting caught doing stuff that royalty would never do. He was having like strip pool competitions, you know, and um, like all this stuff. He's just wild. He was always in the news for negative reasons, for bad reasons. And there came a day where his father, Prince Charles, sat him down. And his father said to him, this is not who you are. This is not who you are. These are your actions. These are your behaviors. But this is not who you are. Son, you are royalty. You're a, you're a, you are the Duke of Essex. I don't know what that means, but that's a great title. You're, you're a prince. You're a prince. You're, you're, 
You've been raised to represent our family and to represent an entire nation. And wouldn't you know it, after some conversations like that with his father and grandmother, he changed. He realized that this really is not who I am. And he began to step into something that he was, he was made to be. He began to step into the reality of who he was. And in this series, this is what we're talking about as children of God, stepping into the reality of who we are, of who God has called us to be. Because a lot of times our actions and our behaviors and, and how we see ourselves and how other people see us are not really who we are. I want you to know that today. Your actions don't define you. Your mistakes do not define you. God has made his children, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, he has made his children to be princes and princesses. He has made his children to be kings and queens, powerful people on this earth. And if God were to sit down with us today, I think he would say, if, if we're struggling in life, he would say something like, this is not who you are. This is not who you are. And I want to talk to you, uh, this is going to be a two-part message this week and next week, it's my current plan anyway, uh, about stepping into sonship. And don't get confused by the word sonship. The Bible uses that word, but it really means sons and daughters of God. It's really about a position through relationship because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Stepping into the place that God has made for us. Stepping into the calling that God has put on our lives. Stepping into who we really are. This is what I want to talk to you about today and also next week. And so it's, a, it's an important foundation for us all to have to understand our position in God's family. To understand who we are. And for many of us, it's a struggle to understand who we truly are. And in reality, we're going to spend the rest of our lives stepping into what God has already made available to us. That's a reality. We're, we're, going, we're growing to become more like Jesus. Technically, we could be, you know, it's a, it is a process, but technically Jesus has already accomplished what he needed to accomplish for us to step into who he made us to be. But we're going to spend the rest of our lives walking into, stepping into this sonship thing. And um, a couple weeks ago, I shared my story about an amazing encounter that I had with the love of the Father. And in that encounter, um, his, his presence began to heal my heart uh, and, and began to do some things deep in my heart that brought healing, you know. But I want to say to you that that wasn't like the end. There's this thing that has to be walked out. Do you know that like everything in life pretty much is a process? And, and so I don't want to portray the picture that one encounter will make you 100% perfect. We, we go after encounters with God. Encounters with God are amazing. Encounter, encounters with God shatter and crush lies in our lives and, and things that hold us back and things that have paralyzed us as sons and daughters. But the reality is many times we've got to walk this out. It's sort, of like, um, it's sort of like when you get healed physically. Say you've got a knee problem. And your knee, you get prayer, your knee gets healed. Um, do you know the enemy wants to come and, and rob you of that healing? 
I can't tell you how many people um, I, I know that they're like, while they're receiving prayer and after prayer and even that day, maybe a couple days, they're like, yeah, I'm healed. It's good. Three, four days later, a week later, they're like, yeah, my, my symptoms returned. Uh, and I'm like, you've got to fight. You've got to fight for what God has done for us. The enemy's going to try and convince us through lies, deception, things like this, that uh, what God has made available for us is more for the person sitting next to you, not for you. What God has made available, yeah, that's, it works for them, but it doesn't work for me. And these are lies. He wants to get into our head and convince us of something that's not true so that we begin to believe uh, what, what is not true. But, but the word of God says it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And he wants us to walk in freedom. And so after that encounter with God and the love of the Father, I had to walk. I still had baggage, you know. I had to walk through issues of rejection because it was my habit to respond, to be triggered, uh, be triggered with, with things that happen in my life and go back to these feelings of rejection, you know. Even though God brought healing to my heart, I had to walk out the reality of what he did for me. So if I continued in the same habit of responding to hurt with no one loves me, you know, I knew this was going to happen, um, I'm just a broken person and I'll always be this way. And we learn to cope, cope with things through, uh, uh, through the brokenness and find ways to bury it, to put it behind. And, but there's things that trigger those pains. And a lot of times, it's the habits that we have in our lives that we've got to learn to overcome. And I want to talk to you about that today. Um, I want to talk to you about that from the perspective of understanding God's love, encountering the freedom that he's made available to us, and walking it out, stepping into sonship. We're going we're gonna to step into sonship. Uh, um, and I, I feel like it's going to be a, a very powerful opportunity for people to gain new levels of freedom um, in their lives. So um, when I began to continue to think about uh, rejection, uh, abandonment, the hurt, the aloneness, um, the feelings of being insignificant, th those, are, those are identified many times as um, or with, with this phrase, a, a spirit uh, or an orphan spirit. Those, those kind of feelings are identified as, as an orphan spirit. Now, when you think of the word orphan, the word orphan uh, can carry with it the meaning that um, either your parents have passed away or you don't belong. You're not wanted. You're not loved. And you understand, this is, I want you to know this, this is a spirit that has been around since the beginning. If you think about it for a second, um, when you go way back to Adam and Eve, we can see through the scriptures that these tendencies began to exist. So I want you to know something. You may have heard of orphan spirit before. You may have heard about sonship. But, but let me just tell you something. There is a difference between believing and, and um, be, between understanding and believing. See, see, God wants us not only to 
to understand this concept, but he wants us to, to, ex- to experience the breakthrough that he's made available to us. You understand? Like, we can say, oh, I've, I've heard that teaching on forgiveness a hundred times. Well, let me ask you a question. Have you forgiven? Do you understand? There's, there's a difference between knowing about something in the Bible or a principle in the Bible and, and living it out. And we are famous in the West, in America and other nations, we're famous for knowing so much and doing so little of the word of God. And so my hope and my prayer is that people experience freedom, not because of simply what they know, but, but they begin to step into what God has, has made available to us. So um, I want to start off with a passage. Uh, it's, it's a rather conspicuous passage. You probably, you may have read it a hundred times and it never stood out to you. Um, maybe I should say inconspicuous. Maybe I got it wrong again. Um, details. In Luke 3.38, Luke, the doctor, is going through this genealogy. It started with Jesus, and then he goes back in history to each of the fathers and, and the influencers in his life. And sometimes there's women. Most of the time there's fathers. That, and it says the son of. Most of the time people skip over this. You know, it's like, okay, I get it. There's a whole bunch of people that were in the family line of Jesus, right? And this is how that family line ends. It says the son of Enosh. The son of Seth, going all the way back to the first son. The son of Adam. Do you remember Adam? As in Adam and Eve, the the first human beings to walk the earth. And it says about Adam, the son of God. Adam, the son of God. I don't know if you ever attributed to Adam the fact that he he was, he's a son. He's a son of God. He's, you know, I, 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 I want you to understand we're all sons and daughters of God. But, but Adam, it doesn't say this about anyone else in that whole line. It says about Adam, the son of God. And we, we can ask some questions like, why, why did God create Adam? Why, why did God create Adam? And why was Satan in the garden? And why did Jesus have to come? And, and so I want to answer those questions as best I can. See, God created Adam because he wanted a family. Do you understand that? He, he wanted a family. He, he, he's, if you think about the, the creation, if you just let your mind begin to picture some things, the Bible says that God made Adam out of the dust or dirt of the earth and he formed he formed this body and then it says he breathed life into him so adam's first the first thing he saw was the face of god the first words he heard in life were the words of god he saw the pleasure of heaven the smile from his father The first touch that he felt, the first touch that he felt was from his father. You see, God wanted a family. God desired a family. God made Adam because he wanted a family. 
And, you know, um, interestingly, he, he also created Eve out of a little bit more uh, complex materials than dust and dirt, you know. He, he, that should give, you know, that should make you feel better. Women, you're not, you're not made out of dust and dirt. You're made out of the rib, you know. There's something of substance and meaning and, and, and power there, you know. But he made Eve, and the very same thing for her. The, f- the first thing that she saw was the face of her father, you know. And, and he, he put them in this place called the Garden of Eden. It was, a, it was a perfect place. The word Eden means paradise. And this was a place that they walked with God in the cool of the day. There was relationship there. There was intimacy there, you know. It, it, it was a good place. And a lot of us, you know, we want to quickly go to chapter 3 of Genesis. But the Bible tells us that God made them in his image. We, You know, human beings are the pinnacle of God's creation. We didn't evolve, okay. Let's just be clear about that. God created us. You know, we are, we, are God's, we are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. You may look in the mirror and not feel that way, but you need to know the Bible tells us that. Ephesians chapter 2 says that, that we were made, we, that we're, we're God's masterpiece. Chapter, I think it's 2.10, Ephesians 2.10, that we are made um, as, as God's God's, God's highest creation. And, and so as, as God reveals himself to us, this is the picture that God uh, wants us to understand that, that God is kind, that he's loving, that he's good, you know, that he wants this kind of relationship with his people. He wants us to know him that way. This was, this was God's idea. You understand that, right? It was God's idea. He could have snapped a finger. He could have done all kinds of things. But the, the intimate picture that we're left with, that God breathed life and, and spoke and, and revealed himself and, and cared for our every need. And he put us in a place of paradise. You know, he didn't put us, we didn't start off in the desert, you know, where there's snakes and spiders and scorpions and, and cactuses and things. We started in paradise. That was the starting point. Well, why was Satan in the garden? Well, if you read the Bible, Satan was once an angel that was part of God's angelic host or army. And Satan, through pride, tried to rise himself up above God. And he convinced one-third of all the angels to follow him. And then he convinced Eve and Adam to, to, you know, to disobey God. And, and things changed from there. You know the Bible, um, the Bible clearly identifies the problems that came about. Right from the very beginning, um, it says that they, were, that, that they noticed they were naked. Um, they were shameful of their nakedness. They tried to hide from God. You know, there was... There was blame. There was the, uh, the, the relationship with God was messed up because of this. 
And I mean, if, if, you, if you think about your life before God, that was you. Like, we don't feel comfortable around God. We're afraid of Him. We hide from Him, you know. We try and, we try and make ourselves good, you know, by making someone else look bad. The problems still exist today. Unfortunately, they still exist in the church, and they don't have to. They don't have to. So Satan's in the garden, and, you know, God, God put man and woman on the earth to rule the earth and to subdue Satan, but they fell prey to his lies. He's the father of lies. He's a deceiver. He's really good at what he does, you know. He's really good at what he does. But, but the orphan spirit came on the scene right then and there. I don't feel like I belong anymore. I don't feel like I'm loved. I don't feel like I matter anymore. I feel like God's mad at me. I feel like God's going to hunt me down and punish me because of my actions. But here's God. He didn't change. He's the one who looked man face to face. with a smi- I believe there was a smile on his face. He breathed life into him. He, he's tender with him and caring, uh, caring and, and loving. God didn't change. So then Jesus had to, why did Jesus come? Jesus had to come to restore Eden, to restore relationship, to restore that, uh, to restore what was God's original plan, to take care of the sin issue so that men don't have to walk in shame and guilt anymore. Do you understand that? But we still walk in shame and guilt. To restore the issue of feeling fatherless, unloved, uh, uncared for, to, to take care of that. And yet we still walk in that. And so, so I, I want to talk about this concept and begin the process of walking us through the truth that can set us free. Because God wants us to live like it's Eden again. Jesus made a way for it to be like Eden again. Do you understand that? I, I really want you to get this. Eden was a perfect place. It was beautiful. And, and not so much about the place, but the relationship between us and God and how we can function as sons and daughters. That is God's picture. This is why Jesus came to earth. He shed his blood for a reason, not just to get us to heaven, but to bring heaven to earth. Do you understand that? To bring heaven to earth, the, the love, the kindness, the power, the transformation of what, what, uh, what heaven offers to us is meant to be here on earth, functioning true sons and daughters who know who they are. This is really God's plan. But some, somehow, some way, we're still derailed by things like insecurities, fears. I am too. I am too. Like I said, the rest of our lives, we, we, we're growing or stepping into sonship. It will blow your mind when you realize how much God has done for you. I still have baggage I'm dealing with. That's okay. I I just want you to know that I just don't want you to stop as if, well, this is all God has for me. This is all God's accomplished for me. No, you you haven't stepped into it all. And don't stop pursuing more. And I want to just, I want to help you walk through what that looks like in your life. Um, Because, you know, maybe you struggle with, with uh, value, like you don't feel value. When you think of God, you think he, he don't want me or I don't matter. When you're around people, you think, 
You'd rather disappear than, than be noticed, you know? You don't feel loved. And, and I understand this comes from the pains that we've experienced. It comes from the, the, um, the, the sins that people have committed against us. It comes from our upbringing. It comes from all different kinds of things. But God wants to know that he is your father today. If you're a, if you're, if you're a born-again Christ follower, he is your father. And he's a really good father. And we don't have to live pointing back to, but if you only know, knew what happened to me. If you only knew how my parents were. Well, I do sympathize with that, but don't stay there. Do you understand that he steps in and says, no, I'm your father. And I'm really good. And I can help you. I can help heal that stuff so you're no longer paralyzed from the past. You're no longer held back from what you've experienced. I'm going to make that into something great so you can bless others with your life. I'm going to make you into some, something great. The Bible says that he works all things out for the good of those who love him, of those who are called according to his purpose. And we, we can look at incidences in our lives and we can say, how in the world could God work this out for good? Well, if you stay where you are, it's probably not going to be worked out for good. But if you press into what he's doing and you keep moving forward in your relationship with him, you will look back and say, wow, what was the most horrific thing or the most horrible thing in my life? God is using now because he's brought me through it. God is using now to be a blessing to others. God is using now to change the world. Do you understand this? So God has a plan. And we can't stay stuck. We've got to step into this process. I want to share with you out of Luke chapter 15, probably one of the most uh, famous parables about the prodigal son. But I'm not going to talk about the prodigal son. In the prodigal son parable, if you've never heard of it, um, there's this father and there's these two sons. And the youngest son goes to his father and asks for his inheritance, his share of the inheritance. And he gets his share of the inheritance, and he goes off and spends it in wild living and, and all this stuff. And, and finally, once, once all his money's gone, he realizes uh, things are bad. And so he starts to work, and he starts to work. Uh, he doesn't find good jobs, um, so he's feeding pigs. And the Bible says that he came to a place in his life where he was longing to eat the pods or the food that he was feeding the pigs. It was a low point in his life, you know. He was longing to eat something that he would probably have never eaten in his life up until that point. But he was starving, he was hungry, he was desperate, he was broken, and he was broke, you know. He was broke. And his wild living brought him to this place. And he said, you know, I could be a servant in my father's house. He'll, surely he'll take me back and give me a job. And as he returns, the, the Bible tells us that the father saw him. He was a long way off. Um, it's a great story. And he, the father runs to him, hugs him, um, restores him by giving him a robe and a ring and shoes. And, and uh, it just re totally restores the son. The son's thinking, I'm going to be a servant. And the father's saying, no, you are my son. And it wasn't. Because of what he, see, the, we tend to think just like that son that we do bad things and we're kicked out of the family. 
We have no worth anymore. We have no value to God anymore. And he's saying, you're always going to be my son or daughter. It doesn't matter what you do. I do care about what you do because you hurt yourself and you hurt people, but you don't disqualify yourself for being my son. And then the story switches. They're having this celebration because the son returns. Um, and the story switches to the older brother. And it says the older brother came in from the field, and he asked the servant, what is, what's going on? He hears the partying. He hears the, the joy. He, hears, he smells the, the fattened calf on the fire. It's just a wonderful time. And he asks, what is going on? And the servant says, your brother came home. Your father's throwing a party. They're celebrating because your brother came home. And here's where we pick up the story. It says the older brother became angry and refused to go in. I'm sharing this because I want you to see the tendencies of the earthly spirit. The older brother was angry because his son, his excuse me, the son, the younger brother, came back. He was angry, refused to go in and celebrate. So his father went out to him. He pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. See, he doesn't even feel like a son. He feels like a slave. You see this? I work for you to earn your love, to earn your affection, to earn your endearment, that I can endear myself to you. And look, I'm just slaving all these years. And I never disobeyed you. See, even in the natural, we would say, this is a perfect son. I mean, he does exactly what he's told to do. He, you know, he's faithful. He works hard. He didn't run off and waste the father's, in, uh, the father's money. He's, he's a good son until we begin to see his heart. I never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. He feels like the father has withheld from him. He feels like there's, there's more that the father could have done for him to express his love. He feels like there's something that uh, he lacked and his brother got. Do you see this jealousy rising up? Uh, jealousy is just like when, when Cain killed Abel. See, that's like the, the same thing. It's an orphan spirit. Someone's getting more than me. Someone's getting more attention. Someone's getting more accolades than me. They're brothers. We should celebrate. Man, my, my lost brother came home. This is amazing. This is, my father's been crying for months or years. He's been broken. He's been hurting. No, it's about me. And so this orphan, this, these orphan tendencies are coming out in this guy. You never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, I say that all the time, tell her your son, your daughter, your dog. I could, I could, uh, I could connect with this guy. This is a good guy. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property and pro with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. So he's got, this is something that's coming out that has been brewing for a long time. You understand? This guy lived with this loving father, but we can see that the relationship wasn't as good as it seemed. He was obedient. He, he did all the right things, but his heart, Inside his heart, there was this nasty poison 
coming out like, whoa, what is going on with you? He, the father says, my son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. I, I think that's such a powerful statement. The father's saying that to us today. We're always with him. No matter if you're going through a storm, no matter if, if life is tough right now, maybe some relationships you're facing are very challenging to you, you're always with me, and everything I have is yours. We, we've got to step into the reality that God has done everything we need. Every problem you will ever face, Jesus has made a way for an answer to be provided for you. Everything. Every problem that the world is experiencing today, Jesus is the answer for. I promise you that. And yet, here we are, we're, we're, we can think, we can have a tendency to think like this guy, like, you know, God, I'm asking God, I'm asking God, I'm asking God, and he's just, he's withholding from me. He doesn't really care about me. I see him moving in other people's lives, and, and I hear testimonies, but I get sickened by those testimonies. Where's my testimony? And you, get, you start to hear ugliness coming out of people who have been serving God for many years. And I want to tell you that it's an orphan spirit tendency. I want to tell you that it's because you need to encounter God's love again. We, we need it more. This is not an indictment. I'm not judging you. I'm saying we need to encounter God's love. As his sons and daughters, we need to understand how good he is. Because we can become very religious and we could think that we've earned the right for God to do something in our lives. We could think that we've earned the right for God to move or answer our prayers. And you'll never earn the right. You'll never earn his love because he gives it freely. And we get this performance mentality like I've got to do more for God to do something. And that's not the way it works. He's already done something. He's done everything he's going to do to make a way for you to get what you need. And so we've got we've to encounter his love. We've got to encounter his love. And, and I want to just share with you very quickly a few of the tendencies. There's many more. In fact, if you do have the app and look in the notes, I put some references. There's a website that has this long list of orphan tendencies. I'm just going to share with you a few. And we see them in this older brother. Uh, the orphan spirit tends to manifest itself in ways like this. Insecurity. I'm not sure if he loves me or not. Sometimes I'm convinced of it. Other times I have doubts about it. Insecurity. And insecurity uh, originates from not having healthy re a healthy relationship with, with our parents or with our father. And so this guy was insecure he doubted God's love. He doubted that God cared about him um, putting on a party for his friends. He doubted that he had enough value that even a young goat could be used to throw a party for him and his friends to hang out. You know, he, he had these doubts. He was insecure. Jealousy. Well, we saw the jealousy. And, and jealousy uh, can show itself in many different ways. But if you ever look at yourself and see that you're happy when someone else fails, you know, you, you celebrate someone else's, um, you know, demise, and, and that makes you feel good about yourself. That's jealousy. That's not good. That's an orphan tendency. 
we need to work on that. We, uh, other ways that jealousy manifests itself is we're always in competition with others. We always got to be the best, you know, in the sense that I've got, it makes me feel good. It's my identity uh, to be better than you. I will never let you be better than me in anything. Or at least we carry that mindset, like nothing people do is good enough because you're better. That's tied to jealousy. It's tied to pride. Um, another one, and these are in the notes, um, you, a, a person who has an orphan spirit or tendencies of that, they seek to earn love. Like if I just work harder, if I just work hard enough, and so there's this drivenness to satisfy something within them, whether it be approval from people um, or, or uh, pleasing people or success, there's a drivenness inside of them that is unhealthy. I'm not saying drivenness is bad. I'm saying if, if you're doing it so that you other people can recognize you or you, um, you have to be the best at something, there could be something there. There could be something there. Um, because what happens is uh, the root of this is struggling with rejection. I'm a product of rejection, you know, and this was me. I would always have to, you know, get people to say, good job, you're amazing. I was, I was always looking for people to, to recognize me. And so how this looked is I was, you know, I was being the best worker I could be or the best student I could be, and I would get promotions and this and that, but there was something unhealthy inside of me that was driving me. It wasn't because I was secure in my father's love. It was because I need people to see me and that makes me feel good about myself. It was a part of my broken identity. But the father's saying, wait a second, you know, you are already enough. Be driven, but be driven because you know you're loved by me. Be driven whether you get approval of men or not and do great things in your world, not so they recognize you, but because you, I, you know I've given you gifts and you're using them for my glory. You understand there's, there's a difference there. And so these kind of people, they receive identity through their accomplishments, their possessions, um, and their appearance. You know, so their identity is formed based upon what they have. And then um, finally, the final tendency I'll share with you is that people who have this orphan issue, they lack self-esteem. They struggle to love themselves. No matter how many compliments they get, they're not striving for compliments because they don't work. They don't love themselves. And that's because they don't know the Father's love for them. They don't know how precious they are, how, how, um, how amazing of a masterpiece they are in God's eyes. And when they discover that and they, they walk into the healing, they step into the healing God has made available to them, you know, it's sort of like, that commercial, they're comfortable in their own skin. It doesn't matter if you like me because I like me. It doesn't matter, it, you know, if you're upset at me because I'm free and you're not. That's not my problem. It's yours. Because we've discovered the Father's love and we've stepped into it. And he's healed our heart from that area. Do you understand this? And so um, here, here's my thoughts related to how do we step into sonship. I'm going to share with you two very quick concepts and one verse. 
The first is walking in the Spirit. It's a daily process. Every day you wake up, you, you've got to, we've got to tap into what the Spirit has made available to us. There's a, there's a verse in chapter 8 of Romans, starting at verse 14. It says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. We, we've got to walk in the Spirit or be led by the Spirit. Because the Spirit of this world is going to tell us we're not good enough. That you've got to do better. That you've got to strive. You've got to perform. You've got to do something for God's love. You've got to earn God's love. But the Spirit of God says, I love you. You're, I, I'm going to lead you, and you're my son. You're my daughter. You're precious to me. It says, those led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. It brings you into the family, a place of belonging, a place of being loved, a place of feeling affirmed and matter, that you matter, you know? If this is what the Spirit of God does, when we walk in the Spirit, verse 16 it says, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children, and if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ. Uh, maybe I'll get into this next week, but co-heirs with Christ means equal with Christ in the family of God. That's powerful. We're equal with Christ in the family of God because of what Jesus has done. So walking in the Spirit. Listen to me. There are days that there are successes, and there are days that there are failures. But moment by moment, being real with God and transparent with God and going to God and saying, listen, I, I need you, you know, I I I've, I've failed, you know, and, and making it a goal that tomorrow I'm going to I'm going to walk better by the spirit instead of walking by this, this the flesh and walking by my, uh, the desires that I have of self appeasement and doing what I want, you know, um, and so. It, it, sets, it sets us up to say, I want more of what you have. I've failed today. We don't condemn ourselves. We don't walk in shame and guilt and condemnation. But we get back up and say, God, uh, you know, I want to do better tomorrow. I know you love me. I know that you haven't pulled back your love for me because I messed up. But I want to confess to you that I'm going after more. I want to be led by your spirit. Do you get this? Do you understand this? Being led by the Spirit, bringing us back to a desire to walk with God and letting His Spirit lead us. Secondly, humility before God and man. My wife's favorite verse, she quotes it all the time, is that, Kelly, God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble, right? Humility before God and man. And really, um, the, walk, the Christian walk is a walk of humility. The more that we think we don't need God, the more that we think that we could hide our stuff from each other and from him, the more we think that we could get away with it and smile at the right time and say the right thing at the right time, the more, the bigger the game we're playing. And that is pride because God knows our hearts. And we need to be humble before him. If you really want to walk as a son and daughter of God, if you want to step into that place, being transparent and saying, God, I'm broken and I need you. Realizing we need him every day, not just when we have a crisis in our lives. Realizing that even our thoughts sometimes, our attitudes sometimes, are reflection of the brokenness in our hearts. You know? The things that we want to look at. 
the things that we say that we the things that we think that we don't say. God wants to God wants to do a complete work. And I, I just want you to picture Jesus as I close today. Jesus came to restore us to that place like Eden, that place of paradise, that place of perfection, that place where our relationship with God is amazing. This is why Jesus could be in the storm and not flip out. He could sleep. This is why Jesus could say in confidence, Father, I know you always hear me. This, these things, these concepts, these, this type of walking it out is available to every one of us. But we've, we've settled so short because we, we, uh, we walk with this orphan spirit. I was reading something today. There's actually a reference for a book in the notes in the app. Um, I was reading this something this week. And this guy, who this is like his ministry, dealing with sonship and the love of the father, he wrote, He's convinced that 90% of the church walks in or, uh, the orphan spirit or tendencies of the orphan spirit. 90% of the church. That's crazy. We are falling short of what God has made available to us. And I think it's time to say, listen, whether I'm a million miles from Eden or that place that God has made available to me or one mile, there's more for me and I'm going to go after it. There's more for me. There's more that God has done that I haven't stepped into. And I'm not going to settle anymore. Would you stand to your feet? Some of you today, you, you realize you're, you are. You're a million miles away from that place of relationship with God. You're a million miles away because you've never really stepped into relationship with God by asking him to be Lord of your life. And I would challenge you with all my being, make that first step today. We're going to have people up here that would love to pray for you that would love to share with you, uh, answer any questions you may have. But today is a good day to give your life to Jesus, to surrender again. Maybe you've walked away from God, but you know today is a day I want to return to him. And I want to begin this process of stepping into sonship. I want to I step into all that God has for me. You've tried, you've tried the, the pig pens and the, the riotous living and all that stuff, and you know that it's not satisfying your soul. And God is saying, Come back home, son. Come back home, daughter. That's what he's saying today. If that's you, I would challenge you to respond today. Come on up. Can we have the ministry team up here? Just make yourself available to serve those who want prayer. But for all of us who are born again, Christ followers, maybe we're in a place where I know I'm going to heaven someday. I know that um, God loves me and I love God, but you know in your heart of hearts you have these tendencies that, that just sort of are holding you down. They're holding you back. I want to personally pray for you today. And I would invite you to just come up to this altar area. If that's you, you know that you're struggling with rejection. You're struggling with uh, feeling good about who you are as a son or a daughter. You're, you always get tripped up. There's something that triggers you. And I just want to personally pray for you um, as we conclude the service. And I'm going to pray today as we close and release you all. We love you. And Father, today, God, you're so good. God, I know that there's so much more for us. God, and we don't want to be people who settle. We don't want to be settlers. God, when you called us to go after all that you have for us. And Father, even if it's for the rest of our lives, that we 
walk this walk, that we'd be transformed from glory to glory, faith to faith, to become more like your son. God, we're committed to that journey. We're not going to just be in cruise control. We're not going to be casual Christians. We're going to go after what you have. We want to we wanna step into what you have for us. And so today I bless the people. I bless your sons and daughters in this room. I pray that this is a, a good week of discovery of your affections, of your love, of the amazing things you've done for them, God. And I bless their lives in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys. If you would like to receive prayer, I just encourage you to come up here.